Welcome to the Dag Heward Mills podcast. Dag Heward Mills is a healing evangelist, a best-selling author, and a mega church pastor. He's the founder of the United Denominations originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches, overseeing over 3,000 churches across every continent of the world. He pastors the First Love Church, a vibrant church in the city of Accra, transforming the lives of thousands of young people for the Lord. Now listen to Dag Heward Mills. What a blessing we have in the presence of the Lord today. Amen. Father, we give you thanks and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated if you have a seat. Welcome again to the Flow Church service. And I believe the first part is amazing already. Amen. Psalm 75, unto thee, O God, do we give thanks. Unto thee do we give thanks, that thy, for that thy name is near, thy wondrous works declare. Amen. I said to the fools, deal not foolishly, and to the wicked, lift not up the horn. Lift not up your horn on high and speak not with a stiff neck. For promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. Amen. But God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. Amen. Now, what this means is that God is in the business of putting down people and also in the business of setting up people. He does it. That's why he said, don't speak with a stiff neck. You know, don't, don't be too strong too arrogant because God is the one who determines so many things. Amen. And um, like yesterday, we had the king's coronation. I mean, it's God who sets up one. If God, did, if God didn't set him there, he wouldn't be there. Because there are so many way, reasons and ways to die before you are his age. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, it takes a lot of time and grace so God sets up one and puts down another. So as he was being elevated, somebody was also being put down. It's amazing. So there's a need to trust in the Lord and believe that God is the one who really matters 
And he is the only one who matters. Amen. God can give you a happy home. And he can also take away the home. God can give you great joy and peace. And he can also remove that joy and peace. All right? And um, Paul said, Therefore I take pleasure in distresses, in reproaches, in persecutions, in troubles. Why would I take pleasure? Because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Or I have learned to take pleasure in these things. I've learned, because he said before that, I, I sought the Lord that this thing should go away. And the Lord said, no, I don't want it to go away. I don't want it to go away. Because God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. In the verse before, he said, I, I, I asked the Lord three times. I prayed about it three times. I wanted it to go away. I wanted it to change. And the answer from God was not that it would go away. But the answer was, my grace is going to carry you through. And my strength is made perfect in weakness. That is, when you are weak, you'll see, you'll see my strength and you'll realize that it's my strength that made you go through. So then, he became wise in the sense of understanding God. He says, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. Then he said, my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest in me. Amen. So here you see power coming into your life when you get to the place where you even glory in the infirmity, what you can't change and what is with you because God has determined that it should be with you. Amen. So, that's why he said, don't, don't speak with a stiff neck. Because God is involved in a whole lot of things, especially you. Because you are, you are precious to him. And he's guiding your life. Unfortunately, 
because of the serpent seed in us, if everything works out well, we almost will not be good people. It's like we need something to pray about. Huh? We need something that makes us pray. Isn't it? Yes. Notice all over the world where things are excellent, good, and perfect. The way they speak about God, there's no God. Uh, when they were doing the king's coronation, the commentators were saying that it's, England today is very different from it was 70 years ago. Very secular. They don't believe in God. The churches are empty. And England is richer and greater. Amazing. We have technology for everything. So that makes us proud. So God is involved in your life. And I believe that today the Holy Spirit is blessing you. God is blessing you and leading you. Don't be upset if it seems that your prayers are not being answered. You know, all through it, God is at work. God is involved. I tell you, in the secular world, they've decided that based on the mysteries in this world, there is no God. Based on the fact that a child who has done nothing wrong, who hasn't sinned, can have cancer, can have leukemia, can be deaf and dumb, and hasn't done anything bad to anybody. And based on the tragedies that are in the world, say, there is no God. Well, you can choose that. But you see, you can also go deeper into the word of God. And you'll find many, many explanations and many, many things that God gives a reason for and gives us insight into the state of the world and why certain things will be. And like Paul said, I, I glory in my infirmities, in my distresses. So what is distressing you today? What is a reproach in your life that you prayed for it to go away? What's a reproach? What is a persecution? It says, for when you are weak, then you are strong. The Bible says the sacrifices of God are a broken heart. I mean, the sacrifice, God's sacrifice, like something that he receives, is a broken spirit, a broken heart. Like it's something that comes up to him and it sees your broken heart. Broken. He comes near to God. So what, what breaks your heart? What does God take you through? It is all part of the mysteries of being nothing. 
Amen. You know when you can't explain things, you are nothing. You can't, you can't explain this. You don't know the answer? We all in our class look for somebody who knows the answers. It's like the one who knows the answer is a, great, is a greater person in the class. And there are some people no one ever asks for an answer. Because they, they, they don't know the answers. And in life, when you get to a point where you don't have the answers, eh, you are like low in the class. Yes. But that helps us to reveal our nothingness, which is something we have to keep with us all our lives. So God allows us to go through things to help us to reveal to ourselves that there's nothing. Amen. But at the end of the day, promotion, it does not come from the east or from the west, but it comes from the Lord. Amen. Today we want to give an offering. And um, again, concerning your money, promotion, financial promotion, where you'll be seeing currencies, dollars. How many want to see dollars? What about CDs? Naira, Safer. Euros. You know, sometimes when you see money in a wad, you wish it was dollars. When you find out that it's CDs. And then when you see the CDs, you find out that it is 10 CDs. That is plenty, or five. Somebody once gave me one CDs like that. One CDs. One CD. It was more like a souvenir. <laughs> Promotion does not come from the east or from the west. It comes from the Lord. May your financial situation experience promotion in the name of Jesus. May the Lord himself enter into your financial situation and bless you. All of us on Zoom, on Facebook, on YouTube, you are welcome and you are blessed. Type, I am receiving financial promotion financial promotion. I received financial promotion this morning. Take out your seed and there we have um, if you want to give You're going to be blessed. God is going to bless you powerfully.
Father, thank you for the blessing of giving us today. We are blessed to give. I am receiving financial promotion. Now, you may be wondering, Lord, is it my sin that is leading me to financial difficulties? You know, it's not like that. It's not as straightforward as all that. It's complicated. You see, it's not your sin alone that is at work. It's all the sins in the world are worrying us. You get it? Your parents' sin are part of it. Your grandparents' sins. Some of you, your parents were pirates. <laughs> not, not your parents, like, but your... Yeah. Right now, I'm seeing in the realm of the spirit something like a canoe. And somebody killing someone in the canoe years ago and throwing the person into the water. You see... And even throwing the person in the water to drown far away. Ah, such a person comes back to the shore, wipes his lips. I've done no wrong. Gives birth to your mother or your mother's auntie or your auntie, great grand something, and gives birth to you in the end. And you don't know even that there are murderers in your family. And maybe even people that have sacrificed people for ritual purposes. All these are disturbing us. So it's not so simple that, oh, I told a lie yesterday. And this was, you know, when I was younger, I used to think that there was a balance. You're bad and you're good. All right? When you get to the gate of eternity, the way, if your good is more than your bad, Straight to heaven. If your bad is more than your good, straight to hell. It's not like that. Thank God it's not like that. And it's also, and it shouldn't be. Because if it was like that, ah, it would be a problem. And somebody would do a lot of bad things and do a lot of good things just to get one more good thing. It's complicated. Yes. And so, that is why the Bible said, don't, don't, don't be too strong. Don't be too strong. Trust in the Lord. It is God who will allow us to be promoted. And I believe that today as you sow your seed, you are saying that, Lord, I believe I am being promoted financially in Jesus' name. And we are also praying that all your sins and your mistakes, huh? How many have made some mistakes? Everybody raises their hand all the time. And your sins have been washed away. 
and put into what somebody calls the sea of forgetfulness. Amen. Lord, bless every giving and every gift in this amazing church service, flow church service. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand before you guilty and unworthy. How can I be forgiven and made holy? Though I know I break your heart, but you promised I could start all over and all the things I've done. You place them each and every one. Into the sea of forgetfulness You placed all of my sins I'm the one who keeps reminding you Over and over again Into the sea of forgetfulness As far as the east from the west Seventeen times seven You've forgiven me my sin into the sea of forgetfulness oh thank you lord oh yeah yeah you welcome me with open arms of mercy in spite of all i've done you still keep loving me I only need to ask And you erase all of my past forever My debts have all been paid And they have all been washed away Into the sea of forgetfulness You placed all of my sins Lord, I'm the one who keeps reminding you and over again into the sea of forgetfulness as far as deeds from the west seventeen times seven you've forgiven me and you keep cleansing me placing my sin into the sea of forgetfulness it's your unfair
place it by This may be the last um, of the mega church series, and our topic today is how to start a church. How to start a church. Amen. Why not learn how to start a church? It is chapter 8 in the book, the mega church. And so I'm going to take you through very quickly key steps. Number one. And before I give you number one, it's how to start a marriage also. How to start a business. How to start your mission. How to start anything. And how to get on with it. How to start your school. How to start whatever God is leading you to start. All the principles... That's why when it came to our businessmen, we have what we call LABLAM, which stands LABLAM, L-A-B-L-A-M. Learn about business by learning about ministry. The, the more you learn about ministry, the more you learn, you can learn about business. You can actually learn about business by learning about ministry. Because the principles are the same. And, and this afternoon, I'm I'm, I'll be sharing about church growth. And everything is the same. You realize that everything to do with the church is like a lot of it is common sense. And a lot of it is just wisdom from God that you apply. And you can apply in any field. And I choose to apply the wisdom of God into church work. Some people will always talk about maybe marriage or business or whatever. But I, I, I want to do the church because I feel that's the project God is doing. And that's a project that has a blessing. That's going to be there. In 70 years, it will be there. Amen. So step number one is count the cost. Bible says, for which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost? Amen. All right? Um, it is not easy to have a church or to start a church. So you need um, to think about what you are doing. Now, when you go down to the beach, those of you who grew up by the sea, there are those, we have the canoes, okay? I hope some of you are fishermen, <laughs> or fisher folk. <laughs> Biel is a fisherman. <laughs> anyway, next time you go down, all right, you will watch out for this. 
the canoes come to the shore on the sand. Then there are those, when the boat is going out, who push the canoe from the sand into the water. And there are those, when it's on the water, they run and jump in. You get what I'm saying? So those who are pushing the canoe from the sand into the water are those who are starting the church. And then those who run and jump in when it's working are the members who come in later. And I say, oh, it's powerful. We are really blessed with the church. But the hard, because it's already moving. Yes. The hard work of pushing this canoe into the water is the first part of getting going, getting out fishing. And that hard part, only some people do it. Some people are just standing by waiting. When it's in the water, then they're running. So if you are going to be involved in church work, you should know that there are some hard parts and harder parts. And it, it is hard to start a church. Because to come to church and just a few people there, uh, it's not... You need to encourage yourself desperately. You need to find the statistics of other churches and use the statistics to encourage yourself that, oh, most churches don't have more than 20 people. Most churches have only 30 people. Such statistics will encourage you. So number one is count the cost. When I was starting a church, I knew that one of the things that was very difficult for me was I, I, I knew that I wouldn't be able to go home anymore because I was a student. So I always used to go home at the weekends. And to start a church means I have to be there. And I have to be there for Christmas and for Easter and all the time. Otherwise, it's not a church. So it is important that you realize that it's going to cost something. And if you are not prepared to pay the price, don't even start. Yeah. If you want to just steal a whole lot of church members from somebody and suddenly have a large group, that one may be easier initially, but later you pay the price. So the church work is very painful and costly. All right? Do not become desperate, number two. Amen. Um, when you do things that are desperate, hallelujah. Now, count the cost. Do not become desperate. Desperation in church work makes you uh, do bad things. That is why we encourage lay ministry. Amen. Lay people have other jobs, and you, you have this job, and you keep doing it, and you are not financially desperate. I thank God that I've never looked at the church as a source of my salvation financially. When you do that, you become desperate because the same desperation is going to apply to you 
in the secular world. You know, I had somebody asking the other day, uh, saying that, oh, when I get a good job, and I said, but what job are you having now? He said, I have a job. I work here. I work here. He said, everybody's not happy with his job. You get what I'm saying? So when you turn that sort of attitude to the church, right, um, you have a different mindset. All through the history of the church, we have never had disgruntled employees. Until recently, we had a few. But it's something that in a culture of the church, we are not used to because the church is not like the source of whatever. The church is your ministry. Yes. So once you, you can't take the church, you can't approach the church without desperation and grasping for things, you shouldn't, you shouldn't enter into any such relationship. It will spoil everything. It will spoil everything. You see, there is no, even when you go and work at the bank, after some time, you realize that, look, the manager is eating a lot. We, are, we down here are not eating so much. Yeah. You've never seen such politics as you see in banks and in so many workplaces. You've never seen politics and talking in workplaces. Who is, who, who is favored and who wants this and who is next and who is going up, who is going down. Nobody is happy. You cannot bring your desperation and your failures to the ministry. You can't do that for a church. You must come with a sweet spirit. Amen. So don't be desperate. Number three. Two or three are enough. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be in their midst. Amen. You don't need more than one person to start a church. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. Amen. So a church with one member, two, the pastor and the member, is a church. It's the principle that has helped Lighthouse Chapel International to exist, that two or three is okay. To start, not to be there, so my church has grown, we are two or three. But to start a church, two or three. Because all over the world, all over the world, right, you only have to start one. I can give you countless testimonies of people who had one person sitting in front. And that was only one person. And in, this, in some time to come, there were 80 people there. Yes. So don't be desperate. And one person, once you have the confidence of the Lord, God is going to bless you. Number four, don't be in a hurry. Amen. In Proverbs 28, verse 22, he that hasteth to be rich has an evil eye. He, when you are in a hurry, all right, you are going to start making mistakes. I once read uh, Rejoiner's book about Jesus. He saw him walking. 
and said he was walking, but he was not in a hurry. I always have that picture about Jesus, that he was walking, but he was not in a hurry. And he was moving at a good speed, but he was not in a hurry. And he was not, he did not, he was not desperate, but he was just moving steadily, steadily. But there was no hurry, there was no haste. And I believe that when you are walking with the Lord, there's no hurry. He's not running to catch something or get something that he's late for. He's not late. All right. So he that hasteth to be rich, you're going to make a mistake. You're going to make a mistake. The speed will make you make a mistake. That's why you, you notice when you were packing your bags to travel and you were packing very quickly and you left something so important. Is it true or you, you've not had that experience? And you get somewhere and I mean, you open your bag and you say, man, somebody's got to be crazy. How could I leave this behind? It's because of the speed with which you were packing. So you should have packed long ago. Yes, some people pack long time before they travel. Yes, three weeks. Somebody's shouting three weeks here. And when you are experienced in traveling, you realize that if you travel and you don't have certain things, you can have a serious problem. Yeah. If you are tall, right, and you travel and you leave your trousers <laughs> and you go to a country where they are short, you go to the shops and when they say extra, extra, extra large, it is far smaller than you. Hmm. Be warned. But there may be nobody your size in the country you are going. Because you know, countries have sizes. Yeah, you go to a country, everybody is sort of shortish. You get it? Hmm. All right. Number five. Pray for and recruit pillars. Mark chapter 1 and verse 16. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother. And Jesus said, come me after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, for your journey in the ministry, you need people. Nobody can make it on his own. Even in your marriage, you can't make it on your own. You know, couples quarrel. But there's something we call a jury. Your marriage jury, your marital jury. There is a group of people who really know the situation of your marriage. And they can say, oh, he is some way. Or she is really some way. Those people know you quite well. Because there are people, when you are new and you are solving a problem, you feel that, uh, oh, when we bring this counselor, you know, but th there are counselors who have been counseling. And even they've reached a point where you don't listen to the counseling. Those, all those people, are you listening to me, are people who are part of the jury. They know. They know with time who is some way and what is some way. 
Amen. So, you need pillars. Ah, you see people on the mission field, one person. And you don't have, you don't have pillars. One, one person is worth, like David, they said about David, you are worth 10,000 of us. You are worth 10,000 of us. Just having one type of person with you is worth 10,000 people. Some of the souls you are even winning, they don't even matter. Uh, if you were to get just one pillar or two pillars, it will be worth 10,000. Look at what David said. But the people answered, Thou shalt not go forth, for if we flee away, they will not care for us. Neither if half of us die will they care for us. But now, underline that part, Thou art worth 10,000 of us. It is better that thou succor us out of the city, whatever that means. But it says, you are worth 10,000. So there are people that are worth more than one person. Do you see? Uh, Hannah's husband, Elkanah, is that his name? When she was crying one day, he said, am I not worth more than seven sons? Am I not worth more than, I said, ten sons? He was trying to show her his value. But she couldn't see his value. As a lot of people can't see the value of the husband. Yes. A lot of people don't know the value of their husbands. So they lose the value. And they don't care about their husbands till the husbands die. And they get a chance to be what we call the second bride. Do you know what the second bride is? Second bride is the widow. You see, the widow is the center of attention at the, at the funeral. Oh, don't cry. Oh, don't cry. So sorry. Oh, sorry. Be comforted. Meanwhile, she doesn't care. She never cared. She never cared. When you stay around for some time, you see they don't care. I remember one woman, her husband was dying. You know, death, because of science, you know, there are some diseases. You can have an idea. Sometimes they can give you a very close prediction. But I remember this brother was dying. And you know, when you are medical, you have an idea. This, the man was at the last. Ah, the wife was abroad. She will not come. And I said, I said before he died, this woman will not come. But as soon as he died, she organized herself, widow's clothes. No, the widows also have that. They are the second, what I call second bride. Oh, yes. There are special clothes, special hats, special whatever to sit and receive attention, shake your hand, the sorrow, and also receive offerings and gifts. Oh, so sorry. The overwhelming desolation of a widow. Ah. 
Am I not better than to thee than ten sons? That's Christian marriages. Christian marriages. That's how they are. I said, I'm, I'm better than ten sons. Now, one husband better than ten sons. But people don't realize. People don't know. They are waiting to be bride too. So don't forget what I said, bride too. You see it happening. A lot of bright twos are coming up. Yeah. Huh. So, recruit pillars. People who are worth 10 sons. 10,000 people. If you don't have such people with you on the mission, valuable people. And when people want to take your pillars, you must defend your pillars. You must say now, when you take out, you are taking my life. When you take this person, you are taking my life. That's how helpers are. If you take away somebody's helper and someone who God has sent to assist, it's like you are taking away the pillar that the whole house is standing on. Yeah. Am I not worth with you? Ten sons. Ten thousand people. Number six, lay a foundation of prayer. Foundation of prayer. Amen. Now, you need to be able to pray in the realm of the spirit. One of the funniest things to see is a prayerless man trying to start a church. Unspiritual pastors. Let me tell you, your spirituality is defined by the length of time you can stay alone with God. You become, you were with God, so you are godly. Or you were with a spirit, so you are spiritual. I can tell you that almost Every single mission that is not thriving and church that is not working, you have a man, not a man of straw, but a man of spiritual straw. He's nothing spiritually. Yeah. You must be a giant of a man in the realm of the spirit. Derek Prince described John Wesley as a giant of a man in the realm of the spirit. That's how come he was able to minister successfully in spite of the type of marriage problems that he had. He called him a giant of a man. Ah, many people are wimps. They just give up when they realize that the wife is a certain way. They just flow with whatever she says. They are weak men. A woman's role is defined in the Bible. And unfortunately for you, we are Bible people. I don't know whether it's fortunately or unfortunately. We, we, we believe in the Bible. We believe in the Bible. And as long as you are in your place, even if your place is inside the water, you'll be very happy and very successful. Take a fish out of water. And you see the fish gasping. Put the fish into water. I mean, you've never seen a gifted 
animal like that. Move up, down, left, right. They don't have straight. They don't have anywhere straight. Everywhere. Huh? How do I? Like that. Magic. Oh, yes. So, get in your place. Get in your place. You'll be so beautiful and lovely there. That's why sometimes you see people working in the ministry because they are subjected to, by common sense, they become so beautiful servants and helpers because that is a natural gift from God to help. So, become spiritual. And when you are spiritual, you'll be strong. Yeah. Because in the realm of the spirit, a lot of babies will be hanging on your breasts. The breast is primarily a feeding organ. It's made for feeding. And in the realm of the spirit, all your babies, your spiritual children, they are hanging on your breast. El Shaddai is a Hebrew word. It means the mighty breasted one. The one who is full of breasts. Shad is breasts. El Shaddai. Many breasts with many children. So if you have no spiritual breasts in the realm of the spirit I'm talking about, uh, how, 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 are the, how are the children going to suck? If, as I'm standing here, I'm, I'm speaking, you know? You know when we have flow prayer meetings and so on, we have more than 10,000, 12,000, 14,000 people early in the morning from all over. And I don't know how many thousands are on now. But I am standing in the realm of the Spirit. People are sucking. So even if I'm tired, or I can't even, I, I, I try to come because... A tired mother who has gone hunting has to come down after killing whatever animals to eat blood to come and lie down for them to suck life, sustenance. And you see, pastors, you don't have even a single spiritual breast. You are hard, bony. Because you have taken in nothing. You are not a man of prayer. You are just a man of activity. And that is why I said, you'll be led around by a woman or by anybody. Look, we are ministering in the midst of deceivers, in the midst of liars, in the midst of treachery, in the midst of opposers, in the midst of you know, I've been a Christian for so many years. Serving the Lord and working. Sometimes when I look back to 35 years ago, when I was appointed as a pastor, and I think of what I've passed through, I've just been in the midst of liars, deceivers, treacherous people, disloyal people, behaving in a certain way, opposing. It's like, and in spite of all that, 
we have come this far. I mean, I just think about it and it, 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 is, it takes the grace. So a person who, you, wherever you enter the world, that is the world, the world we are in, this world, anybody who is working, whether you are a politician, whether you are a pastor, whether you are a business, you, everybody there, you know, is some way. But in the midst of all that, you are going to prevail and the church is going to grow. Amen. You got to be spiritual. You got to be crazy if you want to do this ministry without being spiritual. And somebody's got to be crazy. Without praying, without praying, the Bible says, when a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. You, you need to be a strong man who is armed to have even a palace. That's what you have to be in the realm of the spirit. A strong man who is heavily armed and then you are keeping your palace, which is your church, and then your goods are in peace. If you are not strong and if you don't have enemies, <laughs> you are just a wimp pleasing everybody. Nice to this, nice to this, nice to this. Those are the, some of the most horrible people you can ever have who never want to say what they really think. A pastor is a strong man armed who is keeping a palace. A strong man armed. Heavily armed. And then your goods are in peace. That's why you have no goods. No members. No money. Because you are not a strong enough man to start a church and to do this work you need to be a strong man and armed heavily armed ready to fight not someone people want to easily take on will fight with the king who was coronated yesterday eh you know one of his titles is a defender of the faith. Defender of the faith. You know what it means to be a defender of the faith? It shows you that the faith needs defending. The faith needs a defender. One day I, I told one of my pastors, because I saw him in the realm of the spirit, I said, you are a defender of the church. I told him, that's what I see. You are a defender of the church. And it's true, he is a defender of the church. There are people that defend the church. They defend, they rise to the defense of the church. When a strong man, armed, keepeth his palace, He's a defender of the goods and a defender of the souls. Yeah. That's why we will not sit down for people to attack the church. We will defend it to the uttermost. We'll fight. We'll fight. So, so why don't you? No, we have to fight. We are defenders of the church, defenders of the faith. So in the realm of the spirit is the first place. And we have to pray. All these prayers, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Psalm 2 verse 8. Ask of me and I will give thee the heathen 
You have to pray Psalm 2 verse 8. Ask of me, I will give you the heathen and the uttermost part. No, change it to NASB. It's a, it's a nicer version. Psalm 2 and verse 8. Ask of me and I will surely give you the nations as your inheritance. I will give you the nations. God will give you the nation when you pray. First Chronicles 4 verse 10. It says, enlarge my coast. We pray that. We also pray Ezekiel 36, 37. Increase them with men like a flock. We also pray in Isaiah 66 verse 8. As soon as Zion traveled, she brought forth. Then we also use Galatians 4.19 where Paul said, I travail in Beth again. Amen. What have you traveled? What have you traveled? I say, I measure your spirituality by the length of time you can stay alone and stay awake and stay praying and relating to God, whatever that means. That is a measure of your spirituality, no matter who you are. No matter who you are. Oh, yes. Start playing some music. I'll go to Zimbabwe. <laughs> Where's Danny Boy? I need you on the keyboard. Or, or, or BL. People are getting angry. <laughs> oh, yes. Number seven. Uh, you must be a motivational leader. Amen. And you must be able to motivate yourself. Uh, Bible says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. Amen. Your mood and your attitude is contagious. So you need to have somebody, you need to be somebody who is positive and excited. One day a brother said to me, you know, you make the ministry exciting. Yeah, that's what he said to me. He said, when I came to you, when I came to be with you, it's like, it's a great thing to serve the Lord. It is a great thing. He said, it's like, it's something exciting. It's like there's an adventure. There's something great, something wonderful that we are doing. He said, that's the feeling that I have always when i come near you and we come to the work he said that's not how i felt from afar you know when i didn't know you i, mean, I didn't know the church but coming around is like there's something wonderful and exciting and that's how the ministry is and that excitement hallelujah is going to be passed on yes benny hin said one time some ladies were looking for him and they came to the church and they were asking where who is benny and they said, oh, you're going to find this young man. He's always smiling. So that's Ben. That's how they found him. Oh, yes. It's the oil of joy. The oil of joy. The oil of joy. Your depressed face, looking down at us sometimes through your glasses and sometimes above your glasses, it frightens us. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. People are looking at all sorts of things. That's why I always take people to the dentist. You know, I'm always paying dentistry bills because I'm always taking people to the dentist. Because Dracula, you get it, has a certain appearance. It's to frighten you. So your teeth need to be a certain way. Oh, yes. One day, brother lifted up his hand and there were six fingers. I said, no. And I called for the surgeon and I removed 
it. Because when you put six like that, the people will be afraid. So you must be careful to encourage people by how you even look. Amen. Are you still around or you are leaving? Yes. Nothing bad is happening. You are doing a church. And if 14 people came, it is well. It is good. Thank God. 14 is better than 10. Amen. At least you've broken the 10 barrier. Ah, you went to church, 25 people came. Thank God. Amen. Don't cast a spell over everybody. Amen. Number eight, witnessing and follow-up. Oh, yes. This is one of the most predominant works of a starting a church. Witnessing, following up. Witnessing. Yes. There's nothing like witnessing. And leading people to Christ. One by one. One by one. One by one. You don't want to do it? Don't even bother to start a church. That's how we start churches. We don't break people's hearts and break people's churches. Amen. This is it. Winning souls one by one. Being filled with the Spirit. When you speak to people. Uh, people need the Lord all over the place. And they are going to be blessed. So you need to have the art of witnessing and the art of following up people. And that's going to be a blessing. Amen. Number nine, don't avoid some mistakes. Amen. I would say avoid mistakes at the beginning of your ministry. And number ten, you don't need certain things. You don't need so many things. You don't need a briefcase a complimentary card, and all the plenty of things that people need today. You don't need all that. You don't need to impress people. You don't need to impress people. Luke 11 and verse 40. It says that you fools is not the one who made outside the same one who made inside. Huh? One of the foolish things is we are impressed with outside. But Jesus says, you fools. God is as interested in the inside as he is the outside. How you see people showing in their mind, everyone is wearing brown. Come brown suit and brown dress with uh, yellow ribbons. Amazing. Outside. But inside, they don't even speak. They don't even wave lift their hand. There's nothing. Nothing. Only the outside. So when you are starting a church, don't be so concerned about the outside. What people think. That's why people can't do the work of God. Because you are concerned about the outward picture. When I started crusade, I said, whether people come or people don't come, by the grace of God, I will do this crusade. Ye fools, do you not know that, and it's one of the few places Jesus called people fools. That do you not know that he that made the outside is the same person who made the inside? Let us begin to focus also on the inside. Like I said, the bride too, she's coming for the funeral on the outside. But even to be there to show any kind of care, zero. But the outside, ah, we are there. So, these are the 10 steps. What are the 10 steps to starting a church? 
Number one, count the cost. Number two, do not become desperate. Oh, yes. Number three, two or three is enough. Number four, don't be in a hurry. Number five, pray for and recruit pillars. Listen, I believe that there are people, you need pillars. Yes, you need pillars who are worth 10,000 people. One person who's worth seven people. One person who's worth 10 sons. You need it. God is telling you right now. This is what you need. And I would say that point number five is perhaps the greatest key in the natural, apart from maybe prayer, in this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. You can be a very powerful person, but you alone for all these years, it's not going to lead to what God wants you to do. Lay a foundation of prayer. Oh, yes. Number six. Lay a foundation of prayer. Ah. God is tired of men who are not strong men. You want to keep a palace. The palace is like the church. You are not strong. You are not armed. You are not strong spiritually. And be a motivational leader. Be motivated. Amen. Be full of life. Oh, let people love ministry when they come near you. I've been told by more than one person, there's excitement, there's joy. It's like something great is happening. When we start a church, first love church, we are doing this, we are doing that. Let's move on, let's it is well. Even in all the difficulties, it's, there is minshe. And it's been a joyous journey all these years. I've been a Christian for so many years, serving the Lord and working in the church. And I thank God for all the stages and in all the things he's brought me through. Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to depend on his grace. I've learned to depend on God. Amen. Witnessing and follow up. Amen. Avoid mistakes. And you don't need certain things. It's the tenth step. So I need this, I need that. And today with technology, you don't even need a worship leader. Uh, you can put on worship. It, without, you, you, there's so many things that work. Oh, yes. You know, I wish I could sing, but I've had to not really be able to do that. So I just I also have something to do. What a great blessing. I want us to pray. God is going to use you to start your church. And God is going to use those who have started churches to correct the way. Father, thank you for the blessing of your holy word teaching us how to start a church and how we must make your church work beautifully. Thank you. Every hand lifted up. Every hand lifted up. Father, thank you for the great blessing that you give to us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh yes, we give you thanks. We give you thanks. We give you thanks. Thank you for the blessing of loving your church. Starting churches practically. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you again. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. If you are watching, you want to give your life to Jesus. Say this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus. 
Please forgive me for my sins. I open my heart and I give my life to God. I want to belong to your church. I want to serve you. Please write my name in the book of life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Give your life to Jesus and your life will never be the same. Sit down. Let's take out an offering. You know, on this day, I want us to celebrate God and finish building. There are so many churches we have started building. We haven't finished building. But I'm, I, I wish to present to the Lord all these wonderful church buildings built and churches built. He said, I will build my church. If you love me, do my command. Build my church. Amen. So, I want us to give specially this morning towards building the church. Building churches. Building, 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 building. Everywhere. I was in Papua New Guinea and I launched a project to build 100 church buildings in that country. Yes, why not? Don't be angry with me for building churches. Yes. And God is going to bless us. That's how you become rich. Because God will now have to finance people, line them up and line their pockets so that they can help this great vision to build churches. Before you hear the bell saying, you must die. You know, certain diseases, it's like a car crash when you hear somebody is dead from an accident. It's like sudden and unbelievable. And before you hear any such thing, let us give ourselves completely and unreservedly. I will say that never have I been more in determined to be building the church. And I want us, and you can see, I preach about church growth and mega church. It's a main thing. That's how to build a church. All over. All pastors watching. I know a lot of pastors are watching. Listen to this message. How to start a church is how to same as how to continue a church. So, well, this doesn't apply to me because I've already started a church. And those of you are wondering, what is the mystery of starting a church? You don't need this. You don't even need to be appointed as a pastor to start a church. All right? What a blessing. Father, thank you for everyone who is sowing a seed to give to build your church. Thank you. It's a great blessing. We are grateful and we are thankful for your blessing. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Through this journey, the Lord has been with us building his church. Amen. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. 
There've been times when I felt so all alone But in my lonely hours Those precious lonely hours Jesus let me know time and 
the opportunity to come before your table. Thank you for the holy table, the body of Jesus Christ. We receive healing for our lives, our hearts, our emotions, our souls. Thank you, the body of Jesus Christ. whatever time of day or whatever day you are watching this as we take this holy communion may the Lord himself heal you forgive you cleanse you and have mercy on all of us the blood of Jesus that washes away and takes away the sins of the world the blood The Lord's blessing rests upon you. May you be a church builder and a church worker. The Lord raise you up out of the ground. The Lord raise up your head. The Lord raise your head from the ashes. Somebody, I see you, you are like down, but the Lord is raising you up. Somebody, you are lying down horizontally. And the Lord is raising you up vertically. You shall stand and not fall. You shall not always be low. You shall not always be where you are. For the Lord shall carry you on his wings and his arms. Carry you forward. Carry you out. Carry you out of the field where you fell. For you fell in the field, couldn't be seen anymore, couldn't be found. The Lord rescue you, the Lord raise you up, set you on your feet, and cause you to run again and run for Him. I see you running in the harvest fields. There's tall grass and wheat and corn. All around you, for you are in the midst of the harvest field. Arise and run. Keep running. You'll be running till eternity calls on you. For my grace towards you is time and opportunity. I give you time. I give you a chance, another chance to run again, to run further, to run faster, to make up for lost time. The Lord bless you. The Lord give you peace. The Lord heal you and the Lord encourage you. Place your hand on your heart. Receive a healing in your heart. Uh, from your greatest disappointment and downward turn, the Lord cause you to have an upward turn. And the Lord restore you. As Joseph, Joseph, 
was removed from prison and restored to honor. So the Lord takes you from the dungeon, from the dark room, from the place of sorrow, hopelessness, and is bringing you an osende kalomorama. For it shall be like a dream. For when the Lord turned our captivity, we were like them that dream. Lord, I thank you for all the children you've given to me. So let their testimony be as one that dream. Lord, I only dreamed, but I never imagined that it could come to pass. So let it be unto them. For those who are sons and daughters, mine in the realm of the spirit, across the world, cause them to see your goodness and your blessing and your mercy. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord smile on you with favor. May the Lord favor you. May your life not go logically, but may your life go by favor. favor of the Lord. The Lord saved you from the sins of the fathers, the repercussions of sins, the throwbacks, the boomerangs of the enemy. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for everyone who is part of this prayer. We pray for safety. Safety. Father, from starting an unexpected wickedness. Exemptions. Lift your hands. Exemptions. Exempt me, Lord. Thank you for exemptions. Merciful exemptions. For all the children, I pray. Thank you for healing. Now, for every pastor, the Lord give you victory. The Lord anoint you. The Lord grant your face to be lifted up. You shall not be ashamed because you chose ministry and you chose to serve the Lord. In the name of He who died on the cross and rose up triumphantly after three days. In His name, I bless you. In Jesus' name. bless you for listening to this message. Visit www.daghewardmills.org today for more audio and video messages, information on upcoming events and so much more. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to receive new messages every single day. And remember, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind.